WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, lawmakers in Raleigh debating several bills targeting the transgender community. North Carolina, the latest battleground for these issues. A bit later, one man who is calling out the corporations who's, who, who he says are speaking out of both sides of their corporate mouths, claiming to be champions of gay rights and trans rights while also giving the lawmakers behind these anti-trans bills. Also ahead, he was Mayor Pat, then Governor Pat, now Senator Pat, a guy really well known to Charlotte folks and one time Flashpoint regular Pat McCrory running for Senate. He tells our Ashley Daly he's ready to move on from some of the ghosts of his time as governor. First up, a topic that doesn't get nearly enough attention here on Flashpoint or anywhere else, maternal health. Specifically, this past week was Black Maternal Health Week. The United States maternal health stats are among the worst in the developed world. North Carolina specifically ranks 30th in the country overall. It's why Congresswoman Alma Adams and other lawmakers are backing the Momnibus bill, sort of a play on the term omnibus. It's a nine bill package that attempts to confront the social and economic determinants that influence maternal health. The bill support community-based organizations, collect more data, aims it at diversity in healthcare professions as well, and address systemic racism in healthcare. Joins us now, Congresswoman Alma Adams here on Flashpoint. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you, we appreciate it. Well, thank you and good morning to you. Good morning to you. How, how does a country like the United States of America, how, would, how do we have some of the worst uh, maternal health out outcomes in the developed world. How, how does something like that happen? I think most people at home will be astonished to hear something like that. Well, we, you know, we, we don't really know. There have been so many things that uh, black women, women of color have endured, uh, being overlooked, uh, not people not take doctors, uh, sometimes not taking you as serious as, as they should. And so, yes, you're right. The United States is the worst maternal, has the worst maternal health outcomes, including uh, mortality and morbidity out of any other developed nation. So we know that uh, right now, black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications uh, compared to white women. And in some communities, the disparity is even greater. Of course, COVID-19 uh, has made things worse. We've got 83,000 pregnant women in the United States that have been diagnosed with COVID-19. More than half of those uh, were women of color. So. Uh, we, we, it, it is a crisis. It's a crisis within a crisis that we have. And so uh, the rates have gotten worse over the years. Uh, so um, uh, we, we, you know, we've been working on this and, and we found that there's so many things that cause it. Systemic racism uh, is one, uh, but it's unacceptable. And so uh, we're trying to uh, get the omnibus through. And of course, the omnibus now uh, has 12 bills. Uh, there were nine initially, and uh, as we looked at the pandemic and uh, needing um, our, our, our women needing to uh, to be supported in terms of uh, getting the uh, the shots and those kinds of things, uh, making sure that uh, they would uh, not only have all of the other uh, determinants, uh, the social determinants uh, that need we needed to invest in those. So. Uh, it's um, it's a big package, but uh, it fills a lot of the gaps. It's comprehensive, and uh, we think it's going to really make a difference. 
I want to show a, a graphic here, um, and you touch on it, but it shows uh, two stats. Black women are nearly three times, uh, perhaps more likely than that, to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. Also, black women's heightened risk for pregnancy-related deaths spans income and education levels. So, so, so th this isn't just a, a certain demographic within the black community or a certain demographic. I mean, I, I mean this sort of spans... Um, background uh, when it comes to, to black women. I, I mean, how do you tackle something like that? Well, first of all, you know, it's kind of like the, the pandemic, it doesn't discriminate. And so um, uh, we because we know that um, it crosses all of those lines that it doesn't matter uh, uh, how good your insurance is, it doesn't matter how well off you might be. Um, uh, women uh, of all ranks have, have had uh, have had this problem. And of course, I have a personal experience as a grandmother with and a, and a mother uh, with my daughter 15 years ago. My granddaughter now is 15, uh, but we almost lost uh, her and my daughter. Uh, doctors overlooked things, uh, just disregarded the pain and, and those kinds of things. And you know, sometimes people think black women can bear more pain than other folks. And so they just kind of dismiss those things. So uh, this is something that uh, it's very critical right now. Uh, there's no reason. This is a, this should be a very joyous time in the life of, of moms and families uh, when, when, when a child is born. Uh, and so you go into the hospital, you expect to come out with your baby, and oftentimes uh, you don't leave. Many times you don't leave with uh, with that child. So we you know, we we think it's time to really address this, uh, focus attention on it, bring awareness to it. That's uh, one of the reasons for uh, focusing uh, this week on Black Maternal. Uh, this is Black Maternal Health Week, and uh, we have the uh, Black Maternal Health Caucus. Uh, that I co-founded uh, with my colleague, um, uh, Lauren Underwood from Illinois. So we're working on these. We've got uh, more than 115 members now. Uh, it's um, uh, it's, it's uh, by camel, by caucus, and so forth, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, we're talking about morbidity and uh, mortality and things like that, but it's also uh, things when you talk about uh, black women are three times more likely to have uh, fibroids and, and display signs of preeclampsia far earlier in their pregnancy. I mean, it's, it's not just the, the mortality of it, but it's also the, the conditions during the pregnancy as well. You're absolutely right. That's what happened with my daughter, preeclampsia. Uh, and so uh, we know uh, now um, that uh, more than we probably knew before, that these things um, are, are really prevalent uh, among black women. And so, uh, we've got to make sure that we have the um, the, the care. We've got to make sure that um, we can uh, that women who need to see the doctors is able to do that. You should not go through a pregnancy without uh, being under the under the doctor's care. And so um, we, you know, this is it's it's it's, it's a pandemic uh, within a pandemic now. So. Uh, we, we just think that um, the bill that we have, the Momnibus bill, as you mentioned, uh, makes the kind of, of investments uh, that uh, we need to really uh, support uh, women and to uh, deal with the, with the bias, the anti-racism training that we need, the uh, establishment of maternal care compliance offices that will address it, so we need to collect the data. Uh, and all these things are really important as we uh, really seriously uh, address this issue. We've partnered 
uh, with uh, organizations, uh, Black Mamas Matter, uh, uh, as well Alliance and, and others who have been working on this for a long time. So we, we think that we're going to uh, be able to make some strides. Uh, if you look at even the president's uh, packages that he's put together, this is an issue uh, that the White House is concerned about, too, and we're just thankful for our vice president as well, who actually, um, uh, she and I actually established Black Maternal Health Week uh, a few years ago, and then that evolved into the Black Maternal Health Caucus. And so we have members in the Senate who are taking uh, that mantle up as uh, she has moved on into the White House. But but it's an issue. It's a national concern. And so uh, we just don't want uh, black women, uh, women of color to continue to die during, as I said before, one of the what should be one of the most joyous times of their life. So this is critical. We've got to pro provide the support that they need, the resources. All right, Congressman, let me let me just get in real quick because because I, I want to make sure that that we're about to run oh, out of time. Okay. But I do I do want to ask you real quickly. You mentioned the the vice president um, because of her elevation to, to to vice president. There's no longer a black woman in the U.S. Senate right now. I, I don't have to tell you that. Uh, Pat McCrory announcing this week that he'd run for uh, the 2022 uh, Senate seat left open by Senator Burr. Any interest in that seat yourself? I'm absolutely not interested. I am interested in a black woman uh, uh, getting that seat. Of course, we do need uh, we need more black women, um, and uh, I'll be I'll be working with uh, black women who who are going to try to get that seat. All right, Congresswoman Alma Adams. Congressman, thank you as always. We appreciate it. And thank you so very much. And you have a good day and stay safe. All right, we'll do that. All right, more flashpoint after this. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. North Carolina, the latest battleground in the fight to pass anti-trans bills. Senate Bill 514 bans anyone under the age of 21 from receiving hormone therapy or other gender-affirming treatment. We're talking about adults who are 19, 20, 21 years old. Doctors would be fined. Teachers would be disciplined if they didn't report students who appear to be gender non-conforming. And finally, it protects conversion therapy, which is now a, a, a debunked and disproven practice that attempts to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. House Bill 358 would ban transgender athletes at middle, high school and college level. This week, lawmakers in Raleigh held an open discussion on the bill, hearing from people on both sides of the aisle. Male bodies are taking the place of women's bodies. Female athletes have been robbed of the hard work and effort they've sacrificed their time, energy, finances and talent toward. It's not fair play, it's not ethical. This bill is harmful to my family, and I would like you to know that. We are not a threat, we are children. We should say 400 medical professionals here in North Carolina are opposing that latest bill. Joining us now on Flashpoint, Judd Legum with Popular Information. It's a newsletter about politics and power. He joins us uh, this morning in D.C. Uh, Judd, thanks for coming on, we appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. Uh, you wrote an article that 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 caught our eye and, and sort of went viral in certain parts of here in North Carolina. Uh, and there's two different sort of storylines going on. You have a, an ongoing conversation right now about our biggest corporations, the role they're playing in politics. Uh, we see it in Georgia and their new law and companies that have have sort of uh, in a delayed sense gotten more involved and taking firm stances. You also have uh, these anti-trans laws that are happening across the country as well. Combine those two. Explain to us as a bit of an outsider, somebody in D.C. looking in on the situation here. What about the situation here in North Carolina caught your eye? Well, I was looking at the trend overall of a lot of bills that were targeting uh, trans people, particularly trans youth. Um, one in particular that caught my attention was a bill in the North Carolina Senate that seemed you know, even more extreme than, than in some of the other states because it applied to anyone under the age of 21, uh, making it uh, illegal essentially for them to receive any gender affirming treatment. Uh, it also required uh, teachers to report any uh, gender um, non-conforming behavior by their students to their parents. Uh, so it really kind of ratcheted things up. And I took a look at that bill, uh, which is called uh, S514, and I looked at the top corporate donors in North Carolina to the sponsors of that legislation. And, and I want to show you that and, and show the work that you've done. Uh, a list of the top corporate sponsors uh, of Senate Bill 514. The top Duke Energy with more than $75,000. Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina, almost $36,000. Uh, Atrium Health, a huge employer here in Charlotte. Cigna, American Airlines, all on the list as well. Corporations, of course, have every right to donate to, to whoever they want, politicians they want to. We can't deny them that. But uh, the point that, that you're making, Judd, is that a lot of these com companies are simultaneously claiming to be champions of gay rights and trans rights. For example, we're showing right now a tweet that you included, uh, Duke Energy supporting Pride last, last year. Um, and when you asked the company if they supported the bill and would continue to provide financial support to its sponsors, you got this response from a company spokesperson saying, we remain firmly committed to supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and in the communities we serve. We support policymakers on both sides of the aisle to ensure our customers and communities have a voice on key energy topics. We do not always agree with their positions on each and every issue. Our primary focus is on how North Carolina can continue to uh, its clean energy transitional, uh, transition in a reliable, affordable way to benefit all customers. Quickly, same thing with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Last year, they posted about how they introduced an option for email signature that allows employees to share pronouns they use, stating it aligns with their continued support uh, of the gay and trans community. When you asked them if the company supported the bill, they sent a statement that said, quote, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina stands against discrimination of any kind, including discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Individuals have unique medical needs and deserve understanding, compassion, and equity in access and delivery of their own health care. Limiting access to care based on gender identity is against our vision and values. I wanted to get those in there and then get your response because I think your point in this is that companies are trying to have it both ways. Yeah, I think it gets right to the heart of the matter. You know, can a company like Duke Energy, which, which had that tweet, but also if you look on their website, has extensive materials about their support for LGBTQ equality can they say, well, we've made these donations to um, members of the North Carolina Senate who are pushing the opposite direction, who are pushing legislation that would treat members of the LGBT community 
um, unequally and just say, well, that's for a different purpose. Can, can they do that? And, and they're exploring whether that's something they're able to do. I think Blue Cross Blue Shield is an even more interesting question because their own uh, documents about what are medically necessary uh, treatments include treatments that would become illegal um, if, this if this legislation were to become law. So my sense from reading their um, statement was they're really edging towards opposing the legislation. But when I followed up with them to ask if they did in fact oppose the legislation, I didn't get a response. So it's clear that they don't want to go that far. Obviously, they also, despite um, their own um, internal procedures and despite the statement that they sent me, don't want to fully alienate the sponsors of this bill because those relationships are also important to them. To, to that point, what's wrong with with companies that are diverse entities and while they might have a stand on gay rights or trans rights, have uh, represented a diversity of people within their ranks as workers, also as far as their customers. What's wrong with them trying to donate to both sides of the aisle on, on different issues, even sometimes if, if they're opposing? Well, I just think it, it speaks to how deep their commitment is. Uh, if you are in fact committed to LGBTQ equality, which these companies say they are, um, that commitment doesn't run that deep if you are simultaneously funding the politicians that would take North Carolina or you know similar things are going on in other states uh, in the opposite direction. So I think that's um, what I'm trying to highlight here. Obviously, none of this is illegal. <laughs> this isn't this isn't something that's going to land these companies in court. But I do think it's something that the public has the right to know because it runs counter to the public messaging. You know, no one forces. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield or Duke Energy or any of these other companies um, to issue these tweets or to make these kind of statements about uh, their commitment to equality and inclusion. As transparency becomes a, a bigger issue, do, do you feel like companies here in North Carolina or in Georgia or in other places are going to have to start to be a, a little more forthcoming and straightforward with their political stances? I think the pressure is increasing. Uh, you know, we saw in Georgia there was a there was a effort to try to withhold coming down strongly on one side or the other of the voting uh, restrictions bill there. Uh, Delta and Coca-Cola tried that, but then uh, that position eventually ended up being uh, untenable. Uh, in North Carolina, you you have a little bit of a different situation because it's unclear if this bill will get. Um, significant momentum, but if it does, uh, I think you might find these these corporations that I've named uh, in a similar spot. All right, John Legum uh, joining us in D.C. Uh, a provocative piece, thought-provoking, uh, also a great follower, a follow on uh, Twitter. I recommend uh, always posting interesting stuff on there. All right, uh, John, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. More Flashpoint after this. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The race for U.S. Senate here in North Carolina really heating up this week. Former uh, North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory announced he's running. 
He joins North Carolina Congressman Mark Walker on the Republican side. The Democratic side, State Senators Erica Smith, Jeff Jackson have announced that they are running, all of them looking to fill the seat left empty uh, when Richard Burr retires after this next term. WCNC Charlotte's Ashley Daly, Daly spoke to McCrory, who is trading in his radio show job in hopes of a new job on Capitol Hill. I'm in. Charlotte's own Pat McCrory making a big announcement on his radio show. I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate. And just hours after that announcement, I caught up with McCrory to discuss everything from his ambitions to HB2. So you announced today you are running for the U.S. Senate. How are you feeling today? I feel very positive. We're getting incredible reaction, not only just in the Charlotte region, but from throughout North Carolina. McCrory enters the race with a combined 18 years of experience, having first served as Charlotte's mayor and then as North Carolina's governor. I'm honored to always call Charlotte my home. And uh, it'd be an honor to be the mayor of Charlotte, one time the governor of North Carolina, and then senator. If he makes it to Washington, McCrory says he'll use his experience to address issues around transportation, infrastructure, and protecting the border. Because within a very short period of time, North Carolina is going to feel the impact of illegal immigration. But the race for the Senate seat expected to be a battle. Right now, the Senate is evenly split, 50 Democrats to 50 Republicans. Democrats quick to respond to McCrory's bid. In a statement, North Carolina Democrats calling McCrory a failed politician politician who signed hateful and divisive legislation into law, hurt our national reputation, and damaged our state's economy. That statement in regard to HB2, otherwise known as the bathroom bill, which was ultimately repealed after high-profile events flood the state in protest. And now, five years after signing HB2 into law, McCrory taking a different stance. Listen, I want to judge everyone not by identity politics. We've got to stop this identity politics. We've got to judge people by their character, their soul, and their heart. Reporting in Charlotte, Asha Daly, WCNC Charlotte. I think the first time I interviewed Pat McCrory was probably about 15 years ago on his front porch. His dog, of course, uh, was there. He was just a part-time mayor at the time, then governor, not running for Senate. Of course, there's always an outstanding invite to uh, Mr. McCrory to come on the show and discuss things here on Flashpoint. More Flashpoint after this. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Before we leave you, a shout out to the healthcare workers out there. I posted on Twitter, two shots and two weeks later, I'm fully vaccinated. Thanks to all the scientists, the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers who are making this rollout possible. Y'all deserve a celebratory parade in every city across the country. Boy, do they. Folks, come uh, chat with us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. You can find me all those places. If there's something you want us to talk about, let us know. Reminder also, not just here, we also have a Flashpoint podcast. How about that? Head to WCNC.com slash podcast to start listening. You can hear today's episode as well as any others you may have missed. And if there's something that we cut for time here on Flashpoint, you'll find it there on the podcast. We'll see you back here next weekend.